Awesome. Thank you so much, Dunks. I'm going to just grab a Gareth music stand over here and make use of that. Uh, how many of you know it feels like it's currently about the uh, 47th of January right now, right? It's the month that never ends. But hey, don't worry. It will end all good things, bad things, and uh, indifferent things come to an end, uh, including the fact that we've now crossed over to city power. So generators have kicked back in. Can I get an amen? It's ironic when, when it's stage six, all three of our gatherings are not affected, but when it's stage two, all three of our gatherings are affected. So that's how it goes. But anyway, God is good, amen? And it's awesome to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, I was saying to the eight o'clock gathering, I don't think we've had as many babies as we do right now in this church. Everywhere you look, we find babies. We find babies on the way. So James and Lara, a D-Day is this coming Wednesday for baby Nell. Come on now. So an exciting week. Coming up, there's babies everywhere. There's babies. Hello, parents lounge. We see you. Uh, don't get confused. My, my wife, Taryn, has got a pram here in front of her. That's not our baby. She, Taryn just always has a baby in her arms or in front of her. Uh, that's uh, actually Abigail who's up in production this morning. That's her little one that she's fostering at the moment. Uh, so listen, lots going on. I think uh, God is doing some incredible things in our, right throughout our church, but our next-gen department is pumping. There's so much good things going on uh, with our kids and our preteens and our teens. Uh, by the way, City Youth is back on Friday nights, and so it's all happening, uh, and just incredible to see all that God is doing. Amen. Awesome. Well, uh, as Dunk said, we're in this series, which I think has just been so helpful uh, for us in January, <laughs> uh, called We Are His Temple, looking at this idea that you and me, we carry the presence of God. We are, in fact, His temple today. Uh, but how we're doing it is we're looking through the Old Testament uh, design of the temple that we, that, that we find there. And we're asking the question, how does that temple that we find in the Old Testament or the tabernacle that we find in the Old Testament relate to us today? How does it relate? What does it say about God? Or what does it say about us as his people? And what does it inform into how do we worship and how do we uh, present Jesus to the rest of the world? And that's really what we're doing uh, in this series. Uh, now, the tabernacle, which is the name that was given to the structure that uh, preluded the temple. So it was the tabernacle eventually was built as the temple. Uh, that we read about in the Old Testament was actually a portable tent. It was moved around, it was carried uh, around Israel in their time in the wilderness. Uh, but the design and the layout uh, that we see in this tent is actually the pattern that would then be used to build the more permanent structure of the temple later on. Um, we've had a look at this image that is behind me uh, over the past couple of weeks just to see the layout uh, of what it looked like. And so there's the floor plan. Uh, it's broken up into three parts. Uh, week number one, right on the left there, James started us off in the Holy of Holies. It's the space that the Ark of the Covenant was actually housed there in the Holy of Holies. That is where the presence of God at this time literally rested there. Uh, that was where the presence of God was. Uh, then in the, Duncan preached last week into this middle section. It's called the Holy Place. Um, and here we find furnishing where the priests of the time, they would go and they would do their priestly worship. And the furnishes that we find there in the middle are revealed to us so much of the heart of God towards his people even then. Uh, and then the priests would go and they would do the things that God has called them to do in the midst of the people in the Holy of Holies as they worshipped there. Uh, then on the right hand side, this is where we're going to be today. It's called the outer courts. And this actually would have been outside of the tent. 
It's the outer courts that actually made a clear distinction between the dwelling place of God and the dwelling place of man. It created a distinction between the two dwelling places. That's where we're going to spend most of our time today. Uh, the first section of the message today, uh, I'm going to speak into looking at. And so we're going to look at the outer courts. And then the next section is going to be called walking through. Uh, really to walk through those outer courts. How does it pertain to us today? Now, the big idea that I'd love for us to be able to get out of today's message uh, when you leave today uh, that we'd like to communicate is that God's mission in the world is to remove all barriers of impurity and sin so that all may be clean and all may enter his presence freely. That's the idea uh, that we wanted to communicate this morning. Uh, now, as over the past couple of weeks, James and Duncan have already uh, communicated so well, one of the most incredible insights with the tabernacle is the correlation that actually exists between the tabernacle and then the sanctuary that exists in the Garden of Eden and the sanctuary that we see in creation itself. There's this correlation between these things. You see, ever since the very beginning of time, God's desire was always to dwell with man. So if right from the beginning of time, right from the point of creation to the temple to the time when Jesus presences himself with us, and even until the time that Jesus comes back for us, his desire is to presence himself with us. Amen. That's good news this morning, right? God's desire is to dwell with us. And so in Genesis, we actually read, that God was physically present. God physically dwelt with man in the Garden of Eden, right in the beginning. We can read together in Genesis 3, verse 8. It says, And they heard the sound of the Lord, Adam and Eve, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from what? From the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. God was physically present in the Garden of Eden where he originally placed man. And that physical presence that he had with Adam and Eve in the garden was possible because why sin had not yet entered the world. That's the reason that he could be present there. But the minute sin entered the world, all of that changed and now God was no longer able to be present with man. Man was no longer able to be present with God. Otherwise, he would die. <laughs> and that is what brought us to the place of the tabernacle. You see, God had to now dwell with his people in this way. God had to dwell with his people in the tabernacle because now he could not be in the direct presence of man. Man could not be in the direct presence of God. And so the three-layered structure of the tabernacle, very beautifully, is a mirror of what we see in the Garden of Eden. The three layers of the tabernacle is a mirror of what we see in creation even today. You see, the mirror of creation in the Holy of Holies is referred to as the heavens. And the heavens, the throne of God, has an extension to the earthly reality. The heavens has an extension to the earth. You see, God's desire is for his presence to be felt on earth as it is in heaven. And so there's this mirror between the heavens and the earth. In juxtaposition, the outer court is mirroring the physical structure that we ourselves find ourselves in. Uh, and so as we read through, we, we read about the, the earth and the sea. It's a, it's a mirroring of where humanity dwells. In the outer court, anybody could enter, just as the earth is a place where 
everyone lives. And so it's a mirror of earth. So there's a place where everyone lives. And so it's a mirror of earth. So this outer court was the largest section. It was a common area. And it tells us that it was filled with a mixture of the multitudes. In other words, there was space for almost everyone in the outer courts. And so there were Jews and there were Gentiles. There were men and there were women. Almost everybody was in the outer courts. But those in the outer courts never saw the glory of God that was veiled on the other side of it. They came close to it, but they could never get inside. So you stand on the outer courts, you would hear the mumbles of those encountering God hidden away across the partition, but they were never able to experience that firsthand for themselves. In the outer courts, uh, we actually find two elements that I'm going to quickly touch on and explain what they were. And they point to the mirror of creation. We're going to look at those, but then I'm going to spend the most of the time this morning about what does it mean for us today? What does the outer court mean for us as Christ followers today? Uh, so you can see the picture behind me. There was the bronze altar, and then there was a bronze wash basin. You can see them there. First came the altar, and then came the wash basin. Uh, the altar was for people to come and offer sacrifices, and then the basin after that was literally for cleansing. And these items that you'd find in the tabernacle further in were always of gold or they were covered with gold. But these in the outer court, this altar and this basin, were actually made of bronze. So still precious, still expensive, but not nearly as precious, not nearly as expensive as the gold that you would find in the tabernacle. And it's shown us that the movement from the outer courts into the tabernacle, the change from bronze into gold, adds to the symbolism of the holiness and the glory, which is getting greater and greater as you enter the presence of God. Bronze actually represents judgment and sin. And so here in the outer court is actually the place where the sin of the people was dealt with. That is where sin was dealt with. That is where sacrifice happened and cleansing happened. Access to God was needed, and it was here in the outer court that that was provided for. And so the burnt offerings were made. It was made for atonement of sin. It was made for the forgiveness of sin. So even uh, to, uh, instead of the death of a sinner, an animal is in its place offered. And then the blood of that animal is sprinkled on the lid of the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies. And what does this do? This actually represents our life. It represents your life and my life. When we first come to know Jesus, amen? When we first receive the gift of salvation, when our sin is first dealt with, Jesus takes on our sin, Jesus takes on our shame, and he's the one that gives us a clean slate. He's the one that therefore gives us a new beginning. He's the atonement for our sin. He's the one that paid the price for us. And then the basin that you get is, is, is practically serving the purpose, allowing the priest to wash their hands after the sacrifice of the animal before they would go ahead and then minister within the tabernacle. Uh, there's a, a description of, of these elements in Exodus chapter 30. It shows us how important that washing process is. Uh, it tells us you shall also make a basin of bronze with its stand of bronze for washing. You shall put it between the tents of meeting and the altar, and you shall put water in it, with which Aaron and his sons will wash their hands and feet. 
when they go into the tent of meeting or when they come near the altar to minister, to burn a food offering to the Lord, they shall wash with water so they may not die. First time we're told, so they may not die. Verse 21, they shall wash their hands and their feet, and again, so they may not die. It shall be a statute forever to them, even to him and his offspring throughout their generations. And so today, those of us who know the presence of God, those of us who today walk in the presence of God, those of us who are found in the presence of God, we have a job to do, amen? That's what I want to talk about mostly today. You see, you and I are on a mission to the world. We actually have a responsibility to carry the presence of God within us to the rest of the world. We've got a God in heaven who has chosen to make his presence at home within us. How crazy is that? Come on. We've, he's made his home within us, but that gives us a responsibility. It gives us a mandate that we should never be inward focused. It should never end with us, the presence of God in us, but it should always make us outward focused, that there is a world for us to reach. We are to carry God's presence, and so our focus has to be outward. Because what we learned from the tabernacle is that there is space for everybody in the outer court. There is space for everyone there. And so everyone is able to find atonement. Everyone in your world is able to find forgiveness and salvation in Jesus Christ. Amen. But the mandate, the responsibility is on us. And so in this next section, walking through, are we going to speak a little bit about what this means for us today? I don't know if you've noticed, if you've been around our church for a while, uh, you'll know that our vision for our church, I'll, if you're new here, I'll help you with it. Our vision for City Hope Church is to help people find, carry, and bring the hope of Jesus Christ. And I don't know if you see it, what we're picking up over here is how it points back to this, that our job, our mandate is to help people find the hope and the presence of Jesus. It's to help people carry the hope and the presence of Jesus. It's to then help them bring the hope and the presence of Jesus to their worlds. You see, as we ourselves are found in the presence of God, as we ourselves are living out a deepening relationship with God in His presence, it must always translate to us around us, to the people, as we said last year, all year long, in our spaces, the people in our places, the people that God has given us relationship with, it must translate into us helping them also receive the hope of Jesus Christ, also receive the presence of Jesus Christ. Remember what we read in 1 Peter 2, verse 9 and 10, it says, but you are a chosen race, amen? You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may what? Proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Verse 10, for once you were not a people, hello, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so what does it tell us? That our responsibility is not to keep the gift of God's presence to ourselves, but to help other people find, carry, and bring this incredible gift to them as well. Amen. And so we're going to look through those three aspects of it. Help people find, help people carry, and help people bring. If you're taking notes this morning, I'd encourage you to do so uh, as we look at these three points. The first one, help people find. Everybody say find. It's good. Just checking you're still there with me. 
you can't help but notice uh, the reference to the multitudes who were outside, okay, in the outer courts. And so the, the multitudes, as I've said, are talking about Jews, Gentiles, men, women, almost everybody was there in the outside courts. But outside of what is the question? They were outside of the presence of God. They were outside of a deep encounter with God. They were outside of a genuine intimacy with God. They were outside. But it's there that the multitude stood, and they were really standing as spectators to other people experiencing the direct presence of God in the inner court. But it's in the outer courts that the vast majority lingered. They were only told about what the presence of God was like, what it was like to be directly in his presence. We also know that the um, outer court was enclosed by a curtain fence. It was blocked off by a fence. There was only one way that you could get uh, into the inner courts. And this entrance is in itself a picture of Jesus. Jesus is the door. Jesus is the gate. How many of you know there is only one way to enter into salvation, and that is through Jesus? Amen? And so it's a picture of that. Uh, it points to John chapter 10, verse 9, where Jesus says what? He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find a pasture. And so the outer courts represent the world that we live in. How many of you know that the world is full of people, whether they know it or not, whether they accept it or not, but the world is full of people who are searching. Everybody is searching for God, whether they know it or not, whether they like it or not. The world is searching. It's filled with people, mixed multitudes who are searching. In fact, the Psalms so beautifully often point us to this. They reflect on the human heart to, to be in God's presence. In Psalm 84, Verse 1, it says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Later on, verse 10, uh, in the same psalm, it says, For one day, one day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Amen. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tent of wickedness. One day in his courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. It's speaking to the human heart's longing for the presence of God. Just one day in his presence is better, amen, than a thousand elsewhere. But the outer court was as far as a person could get to the presence of God. And I wonder how many people in your world and my world, I wonder maybe even how many people in the room this morning might still be living like this, that you think there's only so far you can get into the presence of God. Are you living like that this morning? Do you know anyone who is? There are people who are desperately searching for God, but deep down they don't know or accept that His presence is available for everyone. That's the good news this morning. Ephesians 2 verse 14 puts it very plainly. It tells us there's no more separation of the courts and the people. Uh, for It says, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility. It means that access is open for anyone and everyone 
to press out of the outer court into the reality of the glory, the power, the blessing, the intimacy that is available to us in Jesus. That is what is ours. And so as carriers of God's presence, we are able to be the ones who are helping others find the hope that they are desperately looking for. People in your world are desperately looking for the hope and the presence of Jesus, and it's up to us to help them find that hope, find that presence. It's up to us. They, they, they're looking for it. It's God that they're looking for, and we're able to be people who help others around us towards a place of repentance, to help those around us to a place of seeking forgiveness for their sins, and to help people to the place of salvation. How incredible is it that we get to do that? These practices that we read about in the outer court all point to Jesus. All of this points to Jesus the whole time. Uh, the sacrifice of bulls and goats points to John 1 verse 29. The next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It points to the sacrifice of Jesus on this cross. It points to the spilled blood of Jesus on this cross. It's the blood of Jesus that takes care of our sin. It deals with our sin so that we might be able to stand in the presence of a holy God. And that is what we are here to help people with. Revelation 7 verse 15. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will what? Shelter them with his presence. How many of you have experienced being sheltered by the presence of God in your life? And so that rests with us to help others find that in their lives. You and I have the mandate on our lives to awaken the world to the gift of salvation. That is the mandate on our life. We can help people in their lives find the clean slate that they're looking for. You know when people come into new year, new me. Well, we can actually help them find the true new beginning that is available to them in Jesus. Amen? It doesn't come with the new year, by the way, as we have said. It comes in a relationship with Jesus. So we are there to help them with that. We are help them to find this new beginning, this clean slate that they are desperately looking for. Because Jesus paid the price for them too. Jesus did not just pay the price for you and me in this room right now. He paid the price for all. Amen? God so loved the world. It's available to all. And so the washing of water in that basin, what I love, is actually a, a symbol of baptism. How many of you know that helping people find the hope of Jesus can result in a glorious moment where we see them getting baptized in water, declaring Jesus as their Savior? So many of us have seen that, have had the opportunity to help people find salvation in Jesus and see them declare that publicly in the waters of baptism. Now, we might not have a beautiful bronze wash basin. We've got a white porcelain bath that we use over here, yes? Many of you have been in it <laughs> and out of it. And, uh, but hey, what a joy it is when you help someone find salvation in Jesus and see that moment happen. We got that coming up again soon, and it's glorious. Amen. So number one, help people find. The second part of this is to help people carry the hope of Jesus, help people carry the presence of Jesus. You see, the truth of the matter is the outer courts aren't supposed to be a place where you stay, all right? That's not supposed to be the place where you 
dwell very long. Because once we're saved, God's desire for us is actually that we would grow, that we would move forward, that we would continue to find deep, a, a deeper reality of our faith, a deeper reality in our relationship with him. And when we help people find the hope of Jesus, we need to help them progress in their walk through the outer courts into the holy place. Amen. We need to help people around us learn what it is to be found in the presence of God. It's such a miraculous thing, and we have the manner to help people get that. What is it to be found in His presence? And we need to help them learn what it is for themselves to carry the presence of God in their lives, in their spaces, relationships, and places. I don't know how many years you've been around the block on your journey with God. Too many. <laughs> Too many. Uh, yeah, uh, it's been long, hey? And it gets better and better. Amen. Amen. But when you're um, on the journey and, and you start seeing people around you and you see people starting to get saved, you see them finding the gift of salvation, how many of you found that there's sometimes that initial burst, there's that initial bang almost, there's that initial momentum of their walk with, with Christ, but how quickly sometimes does it feel like then they get stuck? something happens, there's that initial joy of salvation, but very quickly, they can become very easily stuck in their walk with God. They know Jesus, they know that they're saved, maybe they've even come to our porcelain bath over here and got baptized. Oh, we've also got the river, by the way. Maybe that's going to be a thing one day. Maybe one day, I don't know. But maybe they've done all of that, but then somehow, they get stuck in the outer court, if you want to visualize that. They, they, they haven't realized that they're supposed to move through into the next phase. They get stuck. But as Christ followers who maybe are a bit further along on that journey, it's actually up to us to help them in that. It's, it's up to us to help them not fear going deeper into learning what it is to carry the presence of God. And I think sometimes that's what it is. I think sometimes there's a fear there of the unknown of going deeper in your relationship with God, of carrying his presence with us. You know, we need to help people realize that you don't need a theology degree to know God in every way possible. Amen. You and I, every single one of us, are able to know God in every way possible. And it's up to us to help people move towards that, to know God deeply. It's God's desire that when people find their salvation in Him, they can know Him as deeply as He can be known on this side of heaven. And that is part of the joy and the responsibility that you and I carry to help people in that uh, in Hebrews, it, the way that it talks about it in Hebrews 5 is it talks about spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. It's helping people move from finding Jesus to carrying Jesus. It's helping them progress past the point of Jesus saves, which is amazing, to an actual intimacy, a deep intimacy with Jesus, a genuine relationship with Jesus. It's, it, it's another step that we need to help people take. You see, when people first start in their relationship with God, how quickly can they become conditioned to religion instead of relationship? How quickly we become conditioned to religion instead of relationship that we can forget that religion is actually what Jesus came to set us free from. Amen. But we have to help those around us 
take these steps of maturing in Jesus. It's going from knowing what Jesus did for us to who Jesus is to us. It's going from knowing what I was saved from to what I was saved for. There's a big difference over there. And so helping people carry the hope, carry the presence of Jesus is helping them progress in their relationship with him and to see that relationship continually deepen. It's helping them move through the outer court and not get stuck there. What a joy that is. Hebrews chapter 10, 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us, through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let's progress in our maturity in the faith. Amen. You know, when, when you help people with this, you start seeing a massive list. I just um, I put a list together that was longer than a page. I cut it down for the purposes of now. Uh, but you start seeing some incredible things happening in people's lives and in people's hearts as you say, hey, we're going to move from the fact that you found Jesus to now you're carrying Jesus. And so the, the things that you start seeing in people's lives is, is, is people start to learn what it means to be set apart. In other words, they start to learn what it is to be in this world, but not of this world. You start seeing people deepen in holiness with God. You start seeing them reflect more and more of the character of God, which is a beautiful thing. You start seeing people light bulbs going off of what it is to be a true worshiper of God as you help them take these steps. A revelation in their own hearts that they too are the temple of God as well. well. What a beautiful thing. You start to see people's lives transformed. You start to see their hearts changed. You'll start to see people loving God more passionately and loving others more passionately. And you'll start to see people understand what it now is to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. What an awesome joy that is, that you and I have the opportunity, but not only the opportunity, the responsibility to help people around us take these steps. It's for every single one of us. I really do genuinely believe that this year, 2023, for our church, is going to be a year of going to new depths of God's presence for all of us. I believe that God's going to do that in us this year. We're going to find new depths of, of intimacy with God, new depths in relationship with God, new depths of His presence. Can you imagine His presence? It never ends, right? We're going to find new depths in His presence this year. But I love what Vaughan's been saying to us this year is that you can't uh, neglect the stretch. You can push into the depth, but never neglect the stretch. In other words... God's presence is not all about you. It's not all for you. You have to reach out. You have to stretch out. You have to help other people find that for themselves. Amen. I don't even have to say as the band joins me on stage because bam. Can we give this band a hand? Come on. We love them so much. <laughs> Helping us so well in the presence of God. And this is part of it, amen? How beautiful, it's part of it. The last thing is, uh, that we get to do is, is, is we then get to help people bring. 
And so it almost brings this round as a full circle. You've helped people find Jesus. You've helped people carry Jesus. And now what do we have to do? We have to help them bring Jesus to their own spaces, their own places, their own relationships. It brings it back to that. We have to do that. The incredible thing, and I think one of the most mind-blowing aspects of all of this and all of this learning about the tabernacle is that did you know that there is also an outside of the outer courts? And so the outer courts didn't just mean everybody. There was still the outside of that. Not everybody was even in the realm of what was going on here with the tabernacle. You see, there's people, and they're out in the wilderness. They're out there. They're in the desert. They're dry as a bone. They're desperate. They need the presence of God. They need the water that gives life, but they are without it. And how many of you know that there are many people in your own lives, in the spaces that you move in, in the relationships that God has given you, that are like that? They are so far gone, they don't even know what's going for what. That's part of the responsibility. That's part of the joy. Because by all means necessary, we must seek people in their wanderings and bring the presence of God to them as well. Amen. We need to do it. It strikes me. It's amazing that even today there is still a mobile tabernacle. Even today, it's you and me, amen? We're the mobile tabernacle. We're carrying His presence around with us. And that is part of the mystery of the kingdom of God, is that His presence goes with us for the length and the breadth of the earth. We're the ones. If you get anything today, you're the one carrying the presence of God to your world. And that is how the kingdom grows. Amen. Amen. At the end of all of this, what is it that God wants us to do? It's so simple. He wants us to go and tell people about the hope and the presence that is available to them in Jesus Christ. And so let's take that mantle seriously. Amen, church. Come on, let's stand up to our feet this morning. We're going to worship again and just lift up our praise to this God who is so good to us. Lord, we love you so much. We bless you in this place. We don't understand it, Lord Jesus, that we would carry your presence, but we do. And so we thank you for that. Thank you for your presence in our lives. Thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for this property, Jesus, that can also be a part of housing your presence. And we just ask, Lord Jesus, for more people and more people and more people. Let it never stop with us. Let your presence never stop with us. But take us into the spaces and places, the length and breadth that you have, that we will see all come to know you, all come to your presence, and we'll see this world changed for your name. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Let's worship.